Welcome to the special edition of They Live by Film. This is Chris. We're going to do things a little differently for a few weeks here. So Adam's getting some well-deserved uh, PTO. Uh, and um, and he is, uh, while he's out, Zach and I are going to be running through a few different ways that you can kind of get to know us better. Um, and one of them is I want to introduce some context and uh, some, you know, as I guess, yeah, basically some context around my rankings that I did uh, a year or so back for when I when I ran through all of Akira Kurosawa's films. So I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll introduce the journey, uh, kind of summarize my thoughts on him overall as a director, and then go into my ranking. Um, but uh, we'll do that. We might do an episode on collections uh, interspersed in. We'll still try to do the industry interviews like always. And uh, then we'll kick up and running when Adam comes back. But I just want to say sincerely, since I have the, the microphone here, um, uh, this was a, something that was started for fun. And, I, you know, some episodes, there's, there's multiple hundreds of you that are listening into this. And it just, it's amazing. Thank you. Uh, it means a lot. I, I love this. I love watching movies and talking about them. And I get to do that. And, and uh, would love it if y'all joined in and, and spoke to me on Reddit or um uh you know the the patreon i guess but anywhere at instagram uh anywhere you can find me um and and just chat with me i'd love to talk about these movies if you've seen them if we convince you to see one and you hate it i'm, I'm okay to hear that too we can take it <laughs> um yeah let's jump in so this one is gonna be uh akira kurosawa's rankings uh as done by chris haskell and um i i think i want to say in the outset that um, he is a, uh, Kurosawa is a director that I knew I, I liked. I had seen Seven Samurai. I had seen Ikiru. Um, I had seen a handful of his movies, Hidden Fortress, uh, Yojimbo, um, and, and a few others, I'm sure, before I started this journey. Knew generally that I, I liked him, uh, but wasn't sure what was in, you know, what was in store going through all 30 of his films. Um, I, the way that I decide what to watch is I try to watch feature films uh, on uh, IMDb. And Kurosawa was the first one that I did and I decided not to do documentaries. Now I'm kind of 50-50 on them. If they're easily accessible, I'll, I'll, I'll throw those in. Um, but at the time I, I wasn't doing documentaries or uh, TV movies. So it was, it was 30 feature films that Kurosawa made and uh, it's a nice even number, makes it easy to do rankings. I think, you know, when I, I'll just say this quickly, when I, when I reflect on Kurosawa, it took me about four months to, to walk through uh, the movies. And what I wrote at the time was, these four months I've been fortunate enough to witness storytelling that will likely never be matched. Uh, I may find individual movies I prefer from other directors for a variety of reasons, but I struggle to imagine a better storyteller or developer uh, of character than director Kurosawa. Uh, he is a man of art, literature, and theater that happens to have found a career making movies. 
His movies, like all great art, are filtered through his personal experience and seem to me to oscillate between unbridled optimism and humanity, as well as sometimes unconquerable cynicism. Uh, I, I believe that as I reflect back on the films, he had four distinct phases in his career. So he had six movies made kind of in and around World War II. From there, it was 17 films that were sort of the prime. Um, then there were four, I think, Dodeskodan through Ran, which you know represent him working out a lot of personal adversity in, in his movies. And then the final three for me were, he, he kind of had some acceptance, level of personal acceptance that his career and his life were, were nearing the end. And it, these were more quiet, maybe contemplative personal stories as he reflected back. So I, I wanna, you know, put that context in as I, as I go into this a little bit. And, you know, the other thing I wanna highlight is that I, even now I've, I've had an opportunity since I did these to see a few of the movies again for a variety of reasons. And I, I could argue, <laughs> Any given day, I could argue that these movies are uh, a different order. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but here for fun is every Kurosawa feature ranked. Okay, number 30. So this is a film I, I did not like <laughs> that much. Uh, it's from 1946 and it's called No Regrets for Our Youth. Um, I meant to be, uh, I think, a lighter movie um, in the beginning, uh, and it gets pretty uh, uh, heavy as, as it goes on, and, and it quickly gets quite heavy. Uh, it's kind of maybe the closest thing Kurosawa is to a melodrama as it ends up. Uh, they shoot pictures, it's 13,939, so 13,939. Um, uh, you know, I didn't like this movie. Uh, a lot. I felt it to be, you know, for one of these sweeping historical life movies that, you know, that follows the life of the main characters. Uh, for me, it was a little bit choppy. Um, it, it wasn't really what I, I wanted out of a movie like this. Um, and anyways, I maybe a little uncoordinated, a little disjointed, uh, individual parts that were cool, but you know, th this, no Regrets for Our Youth to me is a movie that's relatively forgettable um, it, as a story overall, which is striking to me, uh, given who Kurosawa is and, and became. This was his uh, fifth movie overall, right in the middle of the war. And there was certainly some patriotism uh, and some uh, propaganda that was part of the storytelling. Uh, I wouldn't say it was as big as in some of his other movies, which I'll get to shortly. But yeah, this one was a beautiful idea. Uh, poorly executed, I think, for me. So number 30. Uh, number 29 is I Live in Fear. So this is probably going to be, I'm, I'm assuming, a fairly controversial one to be so low. Um, it's, They Shoot Pictures has it as 6,304. So it's already starting to get some, you know, love from, from critics, um, from a number of critics to get up to that level. And it was it was a movie that was made in 1955, which is sort of, you know, peak Kurosawa, right? So it was um, essentially the story of a, uh, I believe it's called a foundry. He's a foundry owner. And he is dealing with the fact that Japan's going to nuclear war and wants to try to get his family to Brazil. Um, and so 
it's the, the story of the family kind of coming to terms with their dad and grandfather, who's maybe in their mind kind of going crazy. Uh, and I think Kurosawa was attempting to encapsulate some of the fear of the country of Japan in this character and tell a narrative that um, would have been interesting. Uh, and, and certainly some people do find it interesting. Um, for me, I just, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't click. I mean, I hate to say that so bluntly. Um, it, it just didn't click for me. And it was, at the time I was a bit harsh on it. I said, forgettable. I had to reread the plot of the film to remember what to say about it. Um, I don't know if I still feel quite that strongly about it. I might like it again, a little more on rewatch, but ultimately it just wasn't told that well, which is interesting again, given like this is sort of it when he was in his prime really. Uh, and, and when, you know, he's making films that he was known for so well. So just a bit of a misstep for him. There's one thing I want to say as well, unless I, uh, I'll just kind of pause quickly from the ranking just to add one more detail I meant to add in the beginning. Uh, unless I specifically call it out otherwise, uh, I was fortunate enough, let's see, I'm recording this in 2022. So 11 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I was fortunate enough to be gifted that AK-100 box. So that old DVD box of 25 films. So unless I specifically call it out, all the films that I'm talking about are from that. Okay, and I wish, uh, maybe I'll try to post a picture or something. It's a beautiful set. Um, still one of the favorite uh, pieces in my collection overall. Beautiful, I love it. Um, although I do hope they come out with a Blu-ray 4K of some of these movies because they need it. But anyways, that's a little detour there, but all of these are coming from, from that, okay? I Live in Fear 29. 28 is probably, I'm assuming, is gonna be my most uh, controversial choice, um, but is Dodeskaden. And uh, so this was made, Dodeskaden was made in 1970. And it was definitely, you know, near the end of his career. Um, it, it follows, uh, a group of people that live in poverty. And, you know, Kurosawa made uh, several of these movies. So, so he was, uh, if, if you know a little bit about the man behind the films, you know, he dabbled in uh, socialism, he dabbled in uh, any, anything that had to do with, uh, you know, communism, I guess was the word I was looking for, but he dabbled in anything that had to do with thinking of the people and a government run by the people and the power of the farmers and the workers and the people and there's some movies where i believe he you know handles that topic very well for me the Descaden was a huge miss uh just like any great director there are some amazing moments in this but it at the end of the day i found it to be exploitative and it, it, i i didn't under i whatever he was trying whatever point he was trying to make about poverty and about the role of poverty and the cyclical nature of it, uh, I didn't get it. And I also felt it was maybe kind of offensive to anybody that has a mental illness or any sort of um, mental disability because he, I, I don't know, the, the, the topics weren't necessarily handled in a way that I felt was maybe uh, respectful, uh, which is again, rare for him, but it felt more exploitative in this case. And for me, Dodeskaden is a, is a big miss. Uh, in, in case you don't want to see it, Dodeskaden is not a Japanese word as far as I know, although if you speak Japanese and it is, please let me know, but rather it's an onomatopoeia and it's the sound that a train makes. So the, the way that this particular character, 
hears it is like that. And that's a part of the story. So that's, that's where the title comes from. Uh, again, I, I think just like anything, I can understand why he would have wanted to make this story. I think there's some interesting ideas in it, uh, but the exploration of mental health and poverty was a little too on the nose for me and maybe a little too insensitive. Mm. So 28. 27 is very difficult for me to put so low. Uh, it's The Idiot. So 1951, Kurosawa adapts what on any given day might be my favorite novel. Um, I am fascinated by the story of Prince Miskin and this idea of somebody who's so simple that they're put into a high society and they don't fit in, but they wind up influencing the high society because they're coming from a place of purity and they're coming from a place of care and empathy for the people in their lives, whereas the world that they're being placed into is not that and is duplicitous, right? And is, will be nice to your face, but has uh, Machiavellian, you know, sort of uh, ideas and, and uh, motives, I should say, behind the scenes. And so for me, the, it's a, uh, one of the most beautiful stories I've ever written. I, I love the novel and uh, if, if you were to know me on a personal level, I could go into the stories of how it's influenced me personally and how I try to actually shape the way I behave in, in business and in, in life in a similar way. Uh, and unfortunately, I, it just was made poorly. <laughs> so I think this film, uh, I assume that Kurosawa also loved it if he went to the painstaking you know, hassle of trying to turn it into a feature. Uh, it's a long movie. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's over three hours. I don't know exactly the length or right around three hours. So I think he tried. Uh, and for me, it was a huge miss. So I did not like it. Uh, if anything, for a while, this was film number 30 for me. Uh, but it's the story is just so near and dear to me. I, I can't rank it the lowest. I, I just love the story of the idiot. So um, 27th is that. And then we'll stop at 26 for a second. So there it is a straight propaganda piece from Kurosawa. So it's called The Most Beautiful. Uh, 1944, it's interesting. I will say that I, I don't think it's a good movie, uh, but I will say it is extremely interesting. Um, so he, it is hardcore, straight, anti-American and anti-British propaganda from Japan in 1944, if you can imagine. Uh, I would, even though I did not like it as a film, I would understand if people wanted to watch it just as a cultural curiosity, because it's very interesting, I think, in that regard. Um, and it's it's a movie that I wanted to like, um, but ultimately, you know, if you're talking about Kurosawa, it's not so much a matter of whether or not you like a film, but just um, what is potentially above it. And for this, for me, this was just a, a film where, although it was interesting and I enjoyed watching it, there are so many films above it uh, that it wound up sinking down to number 26. Um, there, I just want to call out one piece that I thought was interesting. So there's a song, like a chant in the movie. Um, there's, uh, it says, today, all day we shall be loyal. We shall worship the gods and revere our ancestors. No problem so far. We shall not forget our filial duties. Furthermore, we shall not be selfish. We shall be kind and modest. We shall endure hardship. We are women of the empire. Okay, so again, so far, you know, fine. 
Today, we will do our best to help destroy America and Britain. We shall pass these ideals on to our descendants. This we swear. So any of you Japanese that are friends with American or British, shame on you, according to your female ancestors, because Kurosawa in uh, The Most Beautiful was, uh, either, it was either asked to be or was feeling quite opposite at that time. Uh, a bit ironic that his films were financed later in his life by George Lucas and, and the gang, but I imagine this is more of just a propaganda piece. Who knows what he really felt? Yeah, but anyways, that's the kind of movie that it was. Straight propaganda, interesting, so you know, kind of historical curiosity, but I, don't, I, I didn't like it. It was not on the shoot pictures list, by the way. Okay, I'll pick it up a little bit. I just wanted to set that stage and, and kind of get going. Uh, but I also don't want to keep Bill here for three hours sharing my opinion on 30 movies. <laughs> so I'll do my best to, to pick it up here. Um, I assume, I imagine at every rung of this, now I'm going to do 25 through 21. I imagine at every rung, there's going to be a movie that you're like, wrong. So please, please find me on Reddit, uh, Personal History of Film, uh, View to a Thrill. Um, I can be found there, uh, Instagram. I don't even know, personal history, I think, personal history of film, maybe. But um, find me, and uh, please come tell me that I'm an idiot. 25, uh, Richard Gere, if, if anybody didn't know, was in a Kurosawa um, movie. It's, uh, it's called Rhapsody in August. And I think, honestly, like, it's a sweet story. Like, I mean, it's, there's nothing really to hate. It's a, it's a sweet story, um, very simply told. Uh, and for me, it, it was a bit preachy uh, and maybe way simple for a uh, Kurosawa film. Just very, very, very simple. Um, there, it's, a, it's a sweet story. Uh, as an elderly lady who lost her husband in the bombing of Nagasaki, and, and she's caring for four grandkids who come to visit her. And she learns of a long-lost brother who lives in Hawaii, and, and he wa she wants him to come. Uh, and see her before uh, before he dies. So, anyways, there's, you know, it's a it's a very simple story, and uh, for me, it just wasn't anything there to really latch onto and to really like. Um, it it didn't. I hate to say it didn't feel like a Kurosawa movie. I mean, you know, what do I know about? But it, it just didn't. Yeah, there was nothing like I said for me to grasp onto there. Uh, it is fairly beloved, actually. It's it's eight thousand seven twenty six. So um, it's up by Killer's Kiss from Kubrick is, is right next to it. So, you know, it has some love for me, way simple, didn't really love it. Uh, and actually that was is one that I did not see as part of the box set. So that's one that was on, this is an MGM release. And as far as I know, it doesn't have a Blu-ray release. I don't know, maybe it does, I don't, I don't care. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, okay, so next one is The Men Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail. So now we're getting into the section. So we're already, you know, we're only at 24 and we're already getting into movies that I liked, but simply there were other Kurosawa films that I liked more. So 25 to 30 are films that I honestly maybe just didn't really care for. Everything else here down, I have to say I liked. The Men Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail, 1945, uh, one of his earlier movies, and it was made as a quick follow to the two, the second uh, Sanchiro Sagata movie, which I'll get into here in a minute. Um, but it was sort of an in-betweener movie. 
uh, and right before No Regrets for Our Youth. And in the middle of all these propaganda movies that he was making, basically Kurosawa went and made a traditional Japanese theater tale and just sort of put it on screen. So we know later in his career, he, he made a lot of Shakespeare adaptations and he was obsessed or, or seemed to really love Shakespeare. Um, this is a similar type of, you know, it feels like a very traditional Japanese story. Um, and it's short, I think it's maybe right at an hour. Uh, and it's super fun, easy to watch. And the only reason it's down at 24 is just because it's a short film and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's not a Kurosawa movie, you know, it's, 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 I mean, it is, but like, it's just a simple, fun, easy movie. Uh, nothing I would say exceptional about it. It's an easy watch. I gave it four stars. I mean, I liked it. Uh, but now we're getting starting to get into movies that I liked quite a bit. So, uh, Men Who Tread on Tiger's Tail. Next one is Scandal. So this is an interesting one. Um, Scandal was 1950 and it was part of that big box set. And uh, I, I think, you know, I've seen this with uh, Fellini as well as uh, Kurosawa now. I think they handle it in different ways. Um, this felt to me like Kurosawa wrestling a little bit with celebrity. Um, I don't know how much is true to his life. I, I don't really have that history. But there's a lot of elements in here where he seems to be wrestling with celebrity and the role that um, uh, these, you know, magazines, tabloid magazines play in basically ruining celebrities' lives, right? So there, of course, there is a story. Um, there's a, some pictures taken and there's some scandal around story that's not quite true. And there's a famous singer and a painter involved and they have to defend themselves and it gets messy. Um, and it's an interesting story. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it's ranked this low on the list in terms of being 23 because there's films I liked better. Uh, I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. Um, I think it's not a perfect movie by Kurosawa. It's not ranked on the issue pictures. So critics tend to agree that it's not perfect, um, but I still think it's a good story and it's a, it's a nice role from Toshiro Mifune. Uh, a little bit more of a playboy type of serious role. And I think he does it well. Um, again, there's films that he does, they're just better, but 23. So then you get down into 22, which is dreams. So I'm ready for the tomatoes. I know y'all are going to say that that's insane, that I don't have dreams higher, or a lot of y'all will. Y'all, here's the thing. Honestly, 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 if I were to say like, What's wrong with dreams? It's just so simple. And I think it's sweet that Kurosawa has an opportunity to reflect on something so personal to him as his dreams. And I get it. And I understand why even people like it. Like I know this is a fairly highly rated movie. It's just outside the top 1000. It's 1,162. Um, there's nothing really to grab onto for me. It's visually interesting. The stories are okay. Uh, the role of, I believe it's Scorsese plays a role in this movie. Um, it's okay. 
But at the end of the day, it's just there was not enough meat for me to grab onto. And I wanted there to be more, uh, it, it, but it, it is what it is. It's a sweet movie, uh, but something for me that it was just too simple. So I'm going to put it there. Okay, so this next one, out of, out of anything on the list, I know is the one that I'm going to get the most grief for. And I know it, and I'll do my best to defend my position, but just say that I'm aware that I'm probably wrong. <laughs> okay, so number 21 uh, on my personal ranking is rated as the 985th best movie of all time, uh, and it's called Redbeard. Okay, I, so here's the thing. I get it. I get that it's beautifully made. I do. And the acting performances in it are excellent. Um, truly, it's, a, it's an engaging movie. Uh, I was never bored. Um, I, it was actually quite the opposite. I was hooked. It had everything that you would want in a movie. I understand why it's beloved, but it's so dark. <laughs> like, y'all, if you haven't seen Redbeard, um, it ends optimistically, I will say that, but you have to walk through the mud to get there. Like it is dark and dirty and it shows the worst of humanity. It's hard to get through, just hard. And I think Kurosawa, if I'm being honest, I mean, again, who knows, right? But if I'm being totally honest, I think he made it in a place of anger. I really do. I don't think this is not the movie that somebody who, well, let me say it this way. This is the movie made by somebody who has an ax to grind and somebody who's angry. And that's okay. Like I, you know, I've been in my fair share of protests in my day. Like I get it. Um, it is a beautiful movie. I'll never say it's poorly made. I probably won't watch it again. I mean, if somebody really wants me to watch it with them, I'm not completely opposed, but I probably won't voluntarily watch it again because it's just so dark and you really have to sit there and, and suffer through a lot um, to get to a little bit of, of optimism and good. And, and it's there. Um, and I think it ends in a note of saying that the good is worth fighting for at all costs, but whew, what costs? Like really? tough so that's 21 for me the rest i'm gonna argue that if anybody were to sit through and actually watch all 30 kurosawa movies and by the way if you have please let me know uh, or if you want to let me know find somewhere to track your your journey online i'll follow you i'll comment along we can have some fun um but i i would really argue that anybody who takes the time to go through all of Kurosawa's movies is going to have a relatively similar top 20. And uh, of those is just a matter of positioning. Um, so let's start with uh, number 20. So for me, uh, this is one that I think a lot of people would probably feel is a little low. Uh, for me, it's Stray Dog. I rated it four stars. I liked it a lot. Um, what's what's wrong with Stray Dog, right? It's it's fun, it's engaging, it's police procedural. He does these very well. It's just outside the top 1,000, so it's 1,186 on these shoot pictures. Um, it's beloved movie, and I think for a reason. It has Toshiro Mifune uh, as well as Takashi Shimura, so has the you know the Kurosawa stalwarts. It's got a good script. Um, 
it fell to 20 for me because of, a, you know, this is going to sound nitpicky, but this is the thing, right? When you're ranking Kurosawa movies, it's nitpicky things that determine the difference between one and 20. For me, I didn't quite understand the point of the, 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 the whole point of the movie, this guy who loses his gun and he goes on this big journey. Uh, maybe it wasn't enough for me to understand how emotional it was for him. So uh, the emotional beats didn't hit well for me because I didn't understand why he was freaking out so much. Maybe it's a cultural thing that I don't understand, but th yeah, for me, it was a little bit too much uh, of a too big of a reaction for, for what was going on. Um, let's go to number 19. So 19 is a movie that I uh, actually rated lower, which is kind of backwards, I know. I actually rated it lower than Stray Dog, uh, but as I sat back and reflected on it, I think Drunken Angel is, is a very good movie. I might even change my ranking in time. Um, if, I don't know if, all, if, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it has, again, Takashi Shimura and Toshiro Mifune. It was a 1948 movie. Uh, and it's a movie that people don't talk about as much when they talk about Kurosawa. It's a, it's a more intimate story uh, between these two. Um, Shimura plays that sort of the doctor who's trying to help Mifune, who's uh, in sort of in the world of crime and he keeps making bad decisions and he comes back to him for treatment and, and you know, Shimura has to play that tough love role. I think it's done very well. And I liked it a little bit more than Stray Dog. Ultimately, the emotional beats got to me. So it ended up as 19. Um, number 18 was the first Sanshiro Sugata. So this movie is awesome. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Uh, some people are down on these movies compared to early Kurosawa. Uh, or compared to other Kurosawa, excuse me. Uh, even critics don't like it as much. It's rated 5,673. Uh, it's very different. I think, you know, there's there's two parts to Kurosawa, the man uh, and, and the filmmaker that I think are worth mentioning. One of them is the artistic side, the painter, the lover of Shakespeare, the lover of theater. You know, he had this very deep artistic spirit and soul. And the other piece is, you know, he's very influential for people like Spielberg and Lucas and these, you know, populist filmmakers. And I think Sanchiro Sagato is a little bit more of a role like that. It's a little bit more of a, it's going to be if you've seen Karate Kid or if you've seen these movies, uh, Rockies one, right, where the character has to go through some adversity around some kind of fighting or martial arts and they go through training and they, and they have to find themselves through their training. Uh, it follows a lot of the similar beats. Maybe they even pulled from this movie itself. Uh, but it, I think it's very good. Uh, I like San, yeah, I like Sanshiro Sugata a lot. And it was my introduction to Susumu uh, Fujita. Um, the other funny connection I'll just say is that we just saw a Johnny Toe movie called Throwdown and they reference this movie a lot. Uh, and Throwdown is a fantastic movie if y'all haven't seen it. Next up for me is number 17. And this is a movie that's been made by multiple uh, filmmakers. It's, uh, it's a movie called The Lower Depths. So this is one that I think is uh, amazing, actually. I think it's quite amazing. And it's, um, it, it's very theatrical in the way that Kurosawa uh, built it out. So it takes place essentially on a stage and, and they build this stage to make it look like, a, I guess, a boarding house. 
but it's extremely rundown boarding house, very basic. Like a lot of the rooms are just have curtains and it's like a, it's sort of a box built into the, you know, the, this, this plot of land with the curtain and that's like a room. Um, and so they, it, it all takes place in there. It's very theatrical in presentation. Uh, and I think it's, it's fantastic. I rated it four and a half stars. Um, it's, it's a movie that I think more people should see. Um, and I'm gonna find, it's Jean Renoir also did a version of it. So it's a famous novel or story. Jean Renoir did a rendition and then Kurosawa did a rendition. And Kurosawa's is 4,551, uh, best movie of all time. Renoir's is slightly higher at 3,000. But it's either way, it's a story that's beloved. And um, I really think it's, I hope you get a chance to watch it. It's sad, but it's also has that Kurosawa touch and playfulness and humor that makes it, I think, a fun watch. Going down to 16 is another one that was not in the box set. So it's a separate release. It was actually quite hard to find. Uh, I do hope that it gets a better release one day, or if it has, forgive me, I haven't looked. Um, but I found it, a DVD is called The Quiet Duel. So I would say this film is probably the most sort of comparable to Drunken Angel. Uh, there's a lot of differences. Uh, this one is more, uh, the characters in the movie are more polished and it's more uh, about, you know, doctors. It's not so much about the life of crime, um, but he, it's just about a doctor kind of slowly losing his mind and his health after he accidentally contracts syphilis. Um, and his, the way that he works, treats his family and fiance and it, uh, it's a lot of what I think Drunken Angel was trying to do and did, you know, fairly well. I felt like The Quiet Duel did a little bit better. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Uh, it was a little hard to get through at times, but at the end of the movie, I wound up sitting back and thinking about it for quite a while. And I think it's quite a beautiful movie. It's ranked as 6,938. Okay, now we're getting into the meat. So if you talk about the top 15 Kurosawa movies of all time, uh, this is where it's going to be. I know there's going to be some that y'all are going to think I'm ranking way too high. It's because, you know, if you're going to have some that are too low down at the bottom, there's something going to be way too high. So I'll defend those as best as I can. Starting with number 15. Uh, Sanjiro Sugata Part 2, made in 1945. Okay, y'all, here's the thing. Is this one of Kurosawa's best movie? No. But it is so fun. Um, critics put it down at, uh, it's not even on the list. It's not even on the issue pictures. So this is not a critically beloved movie. I think it's a, some people say it's a goofy movie. It's Rocky Four. I swear. Watch it and tell me it's not Rocky Four. Minus the, if Rocky Four took place in a judo ring, uh, it's Sanjiro Sugata part two. That's all I'm going to say. It's fun to watch. I gave it three and a half stars. Uh, I ranked it so high just strictly on it being uh, like a riot. I don't know how else to say it. I know it's cheesy. It's just fun. I love the movie. Uh, my 15th best film, Kurosawa film of all time. 14. Ugh, 14. The difference between number five and number 14 is so small. 14 for me is Kagemusha. Okay, this movie is awesome. I gave it four stars. Uh, it is a fantastic movie. Um, I, uh, you know, it is one, it, ironically, even though I ranked it a little bit lower, 
it's it might be one that I've thought about the most outside of a few, which I'll mention shortly, but it's beautiful. This is when he was really in his, uh, his backdrops were a lot of paintings and these rich colors. Uh, it also has my, of all the movies, it has my favorite opening sequence. So the first, I don't know what it is, five to seven minutes of this movie is my favorite of any Kurosawa movie. Uh, minimalist soundtrack and just somehow a lot of suspense and action that he's able to pull out of nothing. Um, I love I love Kagemusha a lot. Uh, however, not more than some of the other ones. And so it's at 14. Okay, 13. Uh, another one that is beautiful, um, Throne of Blood. So Throne of Blood uh, is one of the one of his Shakespeare adaptations. Um, it's it's a movie that is ranked as the 289th best film of all time. So uh, you know, uh, a lot of people put it as their favorite Kurosawa. I get it. Uh, it's a it's extremely well made film. Some of the scenes within the film are some of the most iconic scenes of of any movie. Really, it's it's very beautiful. And uh, I hope that you get a chance to watch it. Um, I don't really have too much to say of why it's at 13. Um, it, it hit me on a little bit more of intellectual level than an emotional level, which made it drop a bit for me. But uh, there's nothing wrong with this film. I gave it five stars um, and it's amazing. So please watch it if you get a chance. Okay, here's one that I know is gonna be on the more controversial side. Uh, 1947, uh, he made a silly, playful, whimsical, uh, almost French New Wavy movie called One Wonderful Sunday. And it follows a couple who was uh, poor, you know, quite bad poverty. And it follows them as they just go around the city and have a day to themselves. Um, some, a lot of people that are critical of the movie talk about it's too, uh, too much kind of beating you over the head with, with emotion. Uh, it's kind of sappy. It's kind of saccharine. And I hear all that. Uh, but I like it. I think it's great. I have it above Throne of Blood. Um, I, I would watch it again in a heartbeat. At any time, I would turn it on and, uh, and, and watch it. And I think it's... Um, it's a film that more people should see. I don't know if I said this or not, it's 6,886. So it's, some critics like it. I think it just feels to me like a polarizing movie for Kurosawa, let me say it that way. Now, getting down to 16 uh, is, I'm sorry, where are we at? Getting down to 11, excuse me, is one that just missed the top 10, just barely. So uh, if you listen to the commentary, you would be convinced that this is number one for everybody. Uh, and the commentary on this film is fantastic. And it really points out Kurosawa's mastery of staging and framing. So the way that people stood in a frame, the way the frames were set up. Uh, it's 1963 movie called High and Low. It's another police procedural movie. And there's, it's a, there's a strong metaphor that runs throughout of high and low. If you think about that heaven and hell, if you think about all the kind of parallels to that term high and low, these themes run throughout the film. Um, and it's even broken up in a way, uh, the movie itself is broken up between sort of you spend a lot of the first half of the movie in the high, the palace, the wealthy, the heaven, and you spend the second half of the movie in the low, the hell, the, the poverty. Um, and uh, yeah, it's excellent. I gave it four and a half stars. I could watch it again at, at any moment. 
Uh, and in fact, since I ranked everything, I have seen it again with the film club, I believe, or for some reason, and, and I enjoyed it again. It is the 377th best film of all time. Um, so beloved by pretty much everybody. I agree, it just barely missed the top 10. So as we get into the top 10, these are movies that I all love dearly and would defend uh, very dearly. They're, this to me, really starting with about Kagemusha, maybe starting with Sunshine. So let's just say the top 15, but especially these films to me represent what I love so much about Kurosawa. So let's start with number 10. It's 1985 is Ron. Uh, Ron is an interesting one from a physical release standpoint because it actually was not in the Criterion box set uh, that, came, that I'm talking about that came out, although it has a Criterion release. So that's a confusing rights thing. Um, but anyway, it's the 209th best film of all time. And I don't know how you could get more beautiful as a picture itself. Um, it's the reimagining of King Lear. And it is just everything about it is peak, uh, majestic filmmaking, widescreen, just beautiful colors, beautiful color palette, um, bold colors throughout. Uh, obviously, the story kind of speaks for itself being Shakespeare, but he nails it. He nails the betrayal. He nails the greed. Um, Ron for me is, is nearly a perfect film. It got five stars and it's simply at 10 because of some of the other stories that were a bit more personal for me. Um, but um, Ren is beautiful. I love it. I hope it, I hope everybody gets a chance to see it. Um, number nine is an underrated film from Kurosawa that I, I really do hope gets recognition. I've heard it's getting actually uh, indicator in, is it indicator imprint, excuse me in Australia is putting this out. So I'm hoping that's the beginning of it getting some new releases on 4K. It's called Dersu Uzala. Uh, this is a 1975 film. This is one that I had to find an old, just kind of crummy DVD of it. Um, so I'm so happy it's getting a restoration. It was uh, a co-production with Russia. And it's about this sweet, uh, I guess indigenous man in this certain part of Russia and who's really good at navigating the wilderness and kind of living in the wilderness and they become friends. Um, and there's, there's the, the man who's kind of over-civilized and there's a city man with this guy, Dursu Uzala, uh, who's from the woods and from Siberia and he's been able to survive and they teach each other a lot of valuable lessons. Um, but it's, I think it doesn't, I don't know why it doesn't have the same distribution. I don't know if it's, being tied up somehow with Russian um, rights. But like I said, it's good news that Imprint got a copy of it and, and is putting it out. I hope that's a good sign of things to come. It is a beautiful movie of friendship and uh, great characters in the movie. And so I think it's one that I really hope you get a chance to see. Getting down, so close to the end now. Number eight. Okay, uh, everybody would assume between Yojimbo and Sanjiro that the Sanjiro would be lower. But number eight, I'm gonna go with Yojimbo. Uh, it is a movie that came out in 1961. Look, it's flawless. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, it's a fun story. It's funny. Every time I watch it, I laugh more. The humor hits me more. I love this film. Uh, it, I think it's Kurosawa and some of his most creative. And, and you, know, you can read all about how many times the film and the story itself has been copied. 
So it has all, of, it's for all those reasons, it's a film worth uh, seeing. And it's only at number eight because these films above it are, are so near and dear to me, but this is a wonderful movie. Okay, Below Yojimbo, number seven, uh, is a film that is, I'm gonna sound a little hypocritical because I was hard on dreams and I was hard on Rhapsody in August for being simple. And then number seven for me is Mad Dadeo. Now, it is so high for me, strictly on sentiment. So Mad Dadeo is a film that was made in 1993. It is essentially a older man looking back at his life. And it's the, this group of businessmen, or I think students in this case, um, that follow him throughout his life. And that as the roles change from teacher to student to then the students becoming adults and taking care of this elderly aging man and celebrating him for his life accomplishments. It's so sweet. Uh, I love the movie. I always feel amazing after it. And I, and I get it that it's not his best film. And I get it that, you know, there's, it's not on any level technical story. There's nothing in the movie inherently that is the best for him. Uh, but I just love it so much. Uh, so Madadeo for me is that uh, is number seven. And then that leads to number six. Um, it's a it's another Shakespeare adaptation. Uh, this one is very loose. Um, this one is a, a take on Hamlet. And it's called The Bad Sleep Well. So 1960. Um, it's, it's another one of these movies where, it, you know, for most filmmakers, this would be my favorite film. Uh, it's just outside the top 1,000. It's the 1,472nd best film of all time. And um, it's essentially, um, <laughs> this movie is kind of hard to quickly say, but it's uh, the, the story itself is just the story of betrayal and it's the story of uh, power, uh, you know, quest for power and there's, and there's murder in it. Um, and it's just handled flawlessly and for me there's there's i got it four and a half stars um i think it's just a it's a fascinating movie to watch fascinating as an adaptation of hamlet uh the characters in the movie are rich and uh it's it ranks so high for me uh above it it ranks so high for me but it didn't rank in the top five and the main reason it was out of the top five is because it's a little cynical um, not that I'm trying to necessarily penalize cynicism, but simply saying that that's not the kind of film I'm as drawn to. So it's just in terms of an enjoyment, just fall out of the top five. But uh, there's a performance by an actor named Masayuki Mori as the patriarch, and he switches between being empathetic and sweet and being a supervillain. And it's awesome to watch. I highly recommend it. Okay, top five. Here we go. You're almost there. Thank you for, for those who are still around, uh, thank you so much. And um, like I said, please find a way to reach me, talk to me. Uh, I think Kurosawa films I've noticed tend to affect people quite emotionally. And so if any of these you think uh, you wanna talk to me about how it impacted you or um, you just completely disagree and wanna call me out, find me, tell me, I promise I can take it, we'll have some fun. Um, here we go, top five, I'll go quickly, uh, Hidden Fortress, is the movie that uh, George Lucas referenced uh, as one of his big influences on Star Wars. It's what it's most famous for. Uh, 1958, it came out. It has Toshiro uh, Mifune in a, in a fantastic role. And also the princess in the movie 
uh, is, I believe her name is Minoru uh, Chaiki. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, but essentially it's the story of uh, the, uh, a princess who uh, has to hide and is being chased. And there's the way that the story is told, it almost feels like a, a Lucas or a Spielberg movie. It's high adventure, uh, it's high stakes, it's fun, it's an energetic soundtrack, it's funny. Um, it feels to me like one of these templates kind of movies that comes out and it's just, uh, it's just so fun to watch. I gave it five stars. I could find nothing wrong with this movie at all. Um, it's, it's so fun to watch. I could watch it again any moment. And uh, it's actually a little bit lower than I thought. It's ranked as the 1,981st movie of all time. Uh, but still, seek it out if you can. If you haven't seen it, please do. You'll, you'll get it immediately. Uh, number four for me is one that I know I'm gonna get some grief for. It's one of Kurosawa's funniest movies. 1962, it's a movie called Sanjuro. So it's the sequel to Yojimbo. And basically what he did is if you've seen Yojimbo, you know that the character's name is actually Sanjiro. So it's a bit confusing, but he made a sequel about the, this guy. And he put him in a completely new situation. He put him around a bumbling group of uh, sort of samurais or warriors that are defending their turf. And the movie is hilarious. Uh, there are some scenes that are not even, uh, you know, they're, they're intentionally trying to be funny. And I think he nails it. And so Sanjiro for me, strictly on the humor and how entertaining it is, jumped all the way up to number four. And number three are movies that I could just watch on repeat. So um, it was almost impossible for me to break apart these three, but you know, I had to do it. So um, Seven Samurai for me is number three, 1954. A lot of people say it's the greatest movie ever made. Um, I have zero complaints for that. Uh, I mean, the movie is, it's perfect. It's amazing. Uh, it's technically ranked as the 10th best movie of all time. Um, but it's, um, I mean, it, the story has been retold as a magnificent seven. It's been retold multiple times, but you have to see it. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's three hours or three and a half hours. I don't even know exactly how long, uh, but of, of bliss, like every single scene is perfect and is needed and is tight and is funny or is, uh, like I said, there's a lot of adventure in it, a little bit like Hidden Fortress. Um, the characters, you know, you're never quite sure of their motives, but they always shine in, in uh, interesting and unique ways. And uh, it's it's a perfect movie. I think it's it's amazing. And the only reason the next two are higher are because of how they impacted me. So I'll talk briefly on that as I go through it. Number two is a film called Ikiru, 1952. Um, so he had, if you think about it in one way, he had uh, Rashomon, which is, uh, then he had Ikiru, then he had Seven Samurai, then he had Throne of Blood, then he had Lower Depths, uh, Hidden Fortress. I mean, he was on a run. So for me, the only difference between number two, and then I'll spoil it now, number one is Rashomon. The only difference for me, I'll get into shortly for Rashomon, but Ikiru is um, by far one of my favorite movies. Uh, the, the performance from Takashi Shimura and the way his character is written and the journey that he goes on is so simple and beautiful and it's told perfectly. And I think it's a movie that I would say is a must see even for people that don't like black and white movies, for people that don't like foreign movies with subtitles, uh, it doesn't matter. I think the heart and the character in this movie, we cheer for him and it's nearly perfect for me. 
Um, obviously five stars, of course. Uh, let's see, where is it ranked? So they shoot pictures, it's ranked 120. So it's right up there. Now, uh, number one for me is Rashomon. So I will say quickly, it's considered the 21st best film of all time. Um, and I've actually seen a lot of people not uh, gel with this as much. Maybe some people say it hasn't aged as well. Um, I don't think from a social standpoint in terms of, I don't think it's offensive or anything, but just in terms of the story, you know, storytelling has evolved from this. Um, but the message in Rashomon for me that resonates is this idea that you have to be careful of facts when they're presented and you have to be careful of in a, in a court case or in the court of public opinion or in, in any time where there are multiple truths to a story, be really careful to listen and make judgments based off of one version of the truth. Uh, and I think this is a lesson that it feels to me quite universal and feels quite personal to me as something that I want to make sure that I'm never guilty of and uh, the world needs to hear. So uh, number one, it jumps up to me. It has uh, the wisdom, like a Solomon-like wisdom in the movie or a Muhammad-like wisdom or a Buddha-like wisdom. Uh, you know, it has this classical wisdom in it that uh, resonates very deeply for me and is, is my favorite Kurosawa mostly for that reason. So um, look, y'all, we did it. Um, I don't really know the best way to end these things. <laughs> it's the first one I've ever done, but let me just say this. Uh, I'm eternally grateful for anybody who listens to us on a weekly basis, who listens to us on a monthly basis, whatever. Um, the fact that we get to do this, we don't really make any money off of this. And that's not a me. I'm just letting you know that this is a passion project for us. So the fact that y'all are along this journey uh, with us and uh, it, it just means the world because it's something really fun. My job is stressful during the day. And so this is a great outlet for me. And um, I love talking about movies. And I think uh, without sounding too high and, and grandiose about this, I think movies have the chance to change the world if they lead to some good discussions. And um, I, I, they, they have definitely changed mine. And so... Uh, I'll leave it at that and just say thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll get Zach to record one of these next time. Uh, and uh, I'll be back either with Fellini or Yodorowsky. I'm not sure. I have to decide. But we'll record at least one more of these here. So, okay. Talk to you all later. Thanks. Bye.